Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Okay, y'all know the drill. How we doing? You scared me for a minute there. I thought, I thought you, you kind of built it up. That was good. That was good. I'm glad. I like the energy. For those of you that it might be your first time, I just like it when there's a lot of energy. I like, I like when you're all with me on this. I got a question for you this morning. How many of you have ever done a trust fall? You know, you ever done a trust fall? You know, that thing where you have to stand in front of somebody and you just fall back and they catch you? Have you ever done something like that? You ever done that? I'm telling you, I'm not a fan, okay? I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. I, I just don't like it. I'm a control freak, okay? I'm a control freak, I'll admit that. And the thought of giving up control and falling back and somebody else is supposed to catch me just kind of weirds me out. I just don't like it at all. I don't like any part of that. But my daughter loves it. She loves doing it. I mean, to this day, she'll go, come on, trust fall, trust fall. And she turns around and I'm supposed to catch her. I'm supposed to, to catch her and do this. Now, let me just tell you, her version of trust fall and my version of trust fall aren't exactly the same because this is how my daughter does it. She gets in front of me and she puts her arms out and she goes, are you ready? Are you ready? And I'm standing behind her. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And then she does this. She goes, she just starts checking to make sure that I'm still there. That I haven't left. She starts looking over and then she goes through the adjustment period. Okay. So she's in this and she looks back and she goes a little bit closer, a little bit closer. Little bit closer. That's it. Come on, one little bit. Come on, a little bit closer. By the time she's ready, my arms are already underneath her, okay? When she's standing, she looks down, she sees my hands already under her arms. She's ready to go. And that's when she feels good. Well, then she goes back. I mean, she goes back all of about six inches, okay? So I call it more of a trust lean than a trust fall, okay? It's more of a trust lean. But she'll do a, you know, a few of those trust leans, and she's feeling really good. And then, of course, I'm the dad, and I have to do the dad thing. You know, the dad thing, we have to kind of teach our kids that they can have a little bit more courage, right? So when she starts to lean, I do the big step back and let her fall. And I, and I catch her before she hits the ground, and she gets so mad at me. She goes, what were you doing? What were you doing? I said, I caught you, didn't I? You didn't fall. Yeah, but you didn't do it the way you were supposed to. And see, that's the reality when it comes to trust. It's only as good as who you put your trust in, right? Now, I'm excited that she still trusts me enough to do the trust fall, because she'll never ask her brother. That ain't going to happen. Because she knows, she knows he'll just step out of the way and let her hit the ground and think it's funny, you know? So she's not going to do that. But trust is only as good as who you put your trust in. And when I was getting ready for this talk, I started looking at YouTube and I started seeing people doing the trust fall. I saw people doing it. And I saw so many people put their trust in the wrong thing. And I thought it was kind of funny and I thought you'd get a kick out of it. So why don't you take a look at this? Oh yeah, here we go. No, there we go. Okay, that wasn't a smart. Oh, this is mom. Come on, mom, you can do it. You can do it, mom. Oh, oh we got a call. Okay, yeah, you know, that's a mom fail right there. I'm telling you what. Now this ain't a good idea to begin with, is it, right? Watch this. Ooh, oh, 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 oh. Okay, you can do this. You got plenty of people behind you. They can do this. Come on, come on. You can take courage, guy. You can do this. You can do this. Here we go. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. Oh. (laughs) 
All I gotta say is, you can't fix stupid, okay? I mean, you just can't fix stupid. I mean, that's just it. I mean, is he putting his trust in himself? Is that what that is? I mean, it's just, it's not a good idea. But the bottom line is, your trust is only as good is who you put your trust in. And that's what we've been talking about in this series, Take Courage. We've been saying, if you're gonna get over what could take you under, you gotta put your trust in the right thing. And the right thing is Jesus Christ. See, every time you read in your Bible, Take Courage, what God is saying to you, he's saying, you can trust me. You can trust me. When I tell you to take courage, you can trust me. Now, the Greek for the word courage is therseo, and in some translations, it's actually written, be of good cheer. So sometimes you might read, take courage. Sometimes you might read, be of good cheer. And I know that didn't sound the same, but what Jesus is actually saying to you, what God is saying to you when he says, take courage, he's saying, stop looking at your circumstances from your point of view and start looking at them from my point of view. You see, when you look at your circumstances, you look at things as being impossible, All things are possible with me. He said, when you look at things, you look at things and they're too big for you. They're too big for you, but there's nothing too big for me. See, when you look at things, you look at them with fear. And God says, that stuff doesn't even faze me. So take courage. Trust me. And notice he says, take courage. He didn't say have courage. He says, take courage. How many times have you seen somebody struggling with something? You see somebody struggling and maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a child and you're going, man, I wish I could do this for you. I wish I could carry this for you, but I can't. So have courage, have courage. Well, God is saying, I can take this for you. I can carry this for you. Give it to me, take courage, don't fear. I think that's why there's 365 fear knots in the Bible because God knew that we were gonna face fear every single day. There were gonna be things that happened in our life that stop us from taking courage, that are gonna stop us from trying to trust him. And I think when you read those things, every time that God says, fear not, you know what he always does? He tells you why. He gives you a reason why. When God says, fear not, he gives you a reason. Let me give you a couple examples. In Genesis 15, in 15, he says this, do not be afraid, I am your shield. He's talking to Abraham here. Abraham is, is going up against Sodom and he's scared to death. He thinks he's going to die because of where he's been sent to to go to. And God's saying, no, no, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I'm your protector. I'm going to see you through this. And he did. And he'll do the same for you. Deuteronomy 31, 6, he says, do not be afraid because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This is when Moses is passing the baton off to Joshua. And Joshua is going to lead the Israelite uh, nation into the promised land. Remember, 40 years earlier, Moses was supposed to do that. Moses was supposed to take them into the promised land. But they got word that there's this this big giant people that are mean and and they could hurt them. And they said, we're not going in there. We're not going in there. And so they wander. They wander for 40 years. And after that unbelieving generation died off, now Joshua is going to take them in. And God says, yeah, they're still there. But guess what? I'm going with you. And everything's okay. And they took over the promised land. Psalm 46, one and two. This is what's going on as the the Assyrians are attacking Jerusalem and they're saying, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though that we're under attack, 
Even though the enemy is trying to overthrow us, we won't fear because God is our ever-present help in trouble. God is always with you and he will see you through all things. That's why we can trust him. That's why we can take courage. And that's exactly what Jesus said to Peter and the disciples when they were in the middle of their storm on the Sea of Galilee. When they thought they were gonna die, they thought it was over. Jesus says to them, take courage. Don't be afraid because I'm here now and you can trust me. That's the story that we've been looking at as we've gone through this series, Take Courage. We've been looking at the story where, where Jesus walks on water. And if you've missed any of the previous weeks, let me just kind of catch you up to where we got to this point. What you see is that Jesus had just finished doing an incredible miracle. He, had, he was preaching before the 5,000. Remember, they only counted the men. So he was counting, some theologians say, anywhere from 15 to 25,000 people were here. And they were hungry after, after he was teaching. And he said, I got to feed these people. And he takes five loaves and two fish. And he gets enough food to feed everybody, everybody that was going there. And they were well fed. I got a picture of it here of doing this. This is kind of a cool thing. And I wanted to show it to you. This is modern day of this. This is the hillside where he preached to the, the 5,000 or the 15 to 25,000. This is the Sea of Galilee. Remember, we sent a, a, a team over to um, Israel and they're there now. And Lindsay Burton, she's um, uh, Bill's and, and my executive system. And she, and she went on the trip and she said, I'm on the Sea of Galilee and we're looking at where he fed the 5,000. And I knew you were talking about it. So she sent me this picture. So I thought you'd get a kick out of seeing it. But just imagine this whole side just full of people and Jesus is preaching to them and he takes care of them and they're well fed and they have more left over than they know what to do with. Well, it comes to the end of the day and Jesus is ready to move on. He's ready to move on he's, and he tells his disciples it's time to go to the other side of the sea and that's where I want to pick up the story. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew 14 and that's where we're going to start. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get uh, into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, the word that sticks out to me more than anything else is the word made. He didn't ask. He commanded them to go. And let me help you understand what's going on at this time. This is two years into uh, Jesus's ministry. The disciples have been following him for two years now. And this is the height of their ministry. I mean, these 25,000 people are treating them like rock stars. They think they are the best thing going. They are ready to make Jesus their king. They're ready for him to go and overthrow the Romans. They're ready for him to establish his kingdom here on earth. And Jesus is going, they're not getting it. They're not getting why I'm actually here. And I'm scared this is going to the disciples' heads. They're starting to get caught up in all of this fanfare. They're liking this. So he sends them down. He says, no, get to the next place. Sail across the Sea of Galilee. And I'm gonna catch up with him later. Well, just to fast forward a little bit before we get in the story, what happens after they sail to the other side and Jesus catches up with them is that this crowd finds them. This crowd follows around and finds them where they are because I know when we say sea, we think of something vast. This is just a big lake. It's like Lake Grapevine. So they just kind of walked around and they found where they were. And guess what the crowd asked Jesus when they found him? Do that food thing again. Come on, here, 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 get this. Make this more. Do that food thing. Feed us. Take care of us. We want you to just provide for us. You know, remember, remember Moses, when he was taking the Israelites out, he called down manna from heaven. We want you to do that. Do that for us. Do that for us. And Jesus is looking at him like, man, this ain't Burger King, okay? This ain't habit your way, all right? This isn't that. 
I didn't come here just to take care of your physical needs. I came to take care of your spiritual needs. And so Jesus starts talking to him about what's gonna happen. And he starts saying that when you partake of me, when you partake of me, you will hunger no more. And they're all confused. They're looking at him and go, partake of you? What do you mean? Eat you? Wait, wait, I, we don't understand. That's weird. We don't even want any part of this. And the disciples are like going, where are you going with this, Jesus? Because they didn't understand either. And so what happens is lots and lots and lots of followers left. They didn't like what was going on. They didn't like what they're hearing. And they took off. They were great as long as Jesus was giving them all the stuff they want. But then when Jesus was saying something else, this is involves you and what you're a part of. They don't want any more of that. And they leave. Well, Jesus turns to the disciples, to the 12. And he says, what about you? What are you going to do? And Peter looks at Jesus and he says, we trust you. We're staying with you. We're following you. Even though we don't understand. And they wouldn't understand until after the resurrection. They didn't really understand that. Even on the night when he broke the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. They still didn't understand that. When he said, take and eat. But they said, we trust you. And it's the event that happened before they got to the other side of the Sea of Galilee that had them take courage and put their trust in Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going to go. It says, after Jesus had dismissed the crowd, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. This is a theme throughout all of the Gospels. Throughout all the Gospels, you see Jesus taking time away to be alone with God. After great ministry, he would get alone with God. After when he was faced with decisions, he would get alone with God. When he was emotionally spent, he would go and get alone with God. And this should be a reminder to every single one of us that we need to spend time alone with God. We need to get away from our daily struggles and we need to retreat and we need to spend time with God so that he can fill us. He can refresh us. He can restore us and give us what we need to keep going of who he's called us to be. And you need to do that. Jesus did it. It's a great reminder. So he's up there praying on the, on the, on the mountainside. And it says later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. Some people estimate it somewhere between three and four miles away from where he was on the hillside and to where they were in the, in the Sea of Galilee. And they were already buffeted by the waves because of the wind that was against it. They were already in the middle of the storm when Jesus was on the, the hillside praying. They were already being bounced around. They were already scared to death that they were gonna die. Now, this is Matthew's account. This is Matthew's account. The, the story of Jesus walking on water is actually found in all four Gospels. You can read it in, in each one of the Gospels. And I like what Mark says here at this point because Mark was written from the point of view of Peter. So when you read Mark's uh, Gospel, he was written from Peter's point of view. And this is what Peter was saying was happening. That when Jesus was on the mountainside praying, he saw the struggles of the disciples. He saw what they were going through. This is the dead of night. This is three or four miles away, but Jesus saw what was going on. And this is speaking to the, the omniscience of God, that God is all-knowing, all-seeing. And what you need to realize, that God is there for you, sees everything you're going through, even when you don't see him. Even when you don't think he sees what's going on, he knows what's happening. And Peter says it's because the omniscience of God that Peter, that Jesus got up from where he was praying and went on the water towards them. And this is what it said. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. 
Now, they're saying it's somewhere between three and six o'clock in the morning when this takes place, that um, some of the Bibles, when you read, they say that Jesus went out to them on the fourth watch, and they broke their night into four different watches, uh, watches from six to nine at night was the first watch, nine to midnight was the second, midnight to three was the third, and the fourth watch was from three to six o'clock in the morning. So somewhere between three and six o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes walking to them on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. They cried out in fear. Now you gotta cut them some slack. Because what you need to realize is they've been on the sea for at least eight hours at this point. They've been facing a storm for at least eight hours. And these are guys that grew up on the sea. At least half of the, the disciples were fishermen. They knew what they were doing. They'd faced storms before, but this was something they couldn't overcome. And they were terrified. And now they see somebody walking on the water and you know they've never seen that before. So they think it's a ghost. But the other thing it tells me is that means Jesus had to be far enough away they didn't recognize him. Jesus had to be far enough away that they didn't recognize who he was. And so they think he's a ghost. They think he's a ghost. And here's the, here's the funny thing. The, the Greek word for ghost is phantasma, which is where we get the word phantom from. So they think it's a phantom. And there was legend back in that time that the night spirits would come out. These phantoms would come out at night and they would attack and hurt people. So here they are in the middle of this storm and the legend that they'd grown up hearing they think is happening because they think there's a phantom that's about to come attack them in the middle of this. But what happens? It says, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid, guys. I'm here. And you can trust me. I know that it's been scary. I know you've been going through this for, for at least eight hours. I know you think you're gonna die. I know that you think you're gonna drown, but you can trust me. I'm here. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Now, I still think he's far enough away. They didn't know who he was because what does Peter say? He says, Lord, if it's you, because I'm not sure. I'm still not sure if it's the ghost or not. But Lord, if it's you, Tell me to come to you on the water. Tell me to come to you on the water. I mean, what would possess him to say that? I mean, think about it. I mean, if it's me, I'm going, Lord, if it's you, hurry up and get over here and fix this. Lord, you come to me. But he said, Lord, if it's you, Tell me to come to you. Why would he say that? Well, I don't know. This is just me thinking here. All that I'm thinking is he's looking at his circumstance where he is and what he's going with. And when he sees Jesus, he's saying, that's a better place to be. That looks better than where I'm at right now. What I'm going through doesn't look as good as that. And this is just, again, my thought process. I'm not thinking Jesus is struggling walking on water. Even though there's a storm and everything's flying around, the wind's going crazy and late, uh, waves are crashing up, I don't think Jesus is having any trouble. I think it's like a stroll in the park for Jesus. I think it's nice and easy. And Peter's seeing that and he's going, that's where I wanna be. I wanna be with that. And I'm ready to get out to do that. But notice what he says. He says, Tell me, 
I'm not telling you, you tell me. He's submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ. He's saying, this is what I'd like to do, but I'm only gonna do what you want me to do. Think about you when you're going through something difficult. Is that how you act? Are you telling God what he needs to be doing for you? God, this is how you need to do this. This is how it needs to be done. You need to do this for me. Are you submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ? And when he doesn't do things the way you want, do you just go ahead and just do whatever you want? You take matters into your own hands? Peter thought he was gonna die. Peter thought it was over, but he was still saying, I want you to tell me what to do. And whenever we're going through anything, we need to submit ourselves to the authority of what God wants us to do. And so he waited. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, come, go ahead, come on, come on. Then Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water and came towards Jesus. He took the courage, he stepped out of the boat and he stepped on the water and it was different than anything he'd ever done before because he grew up by the Sea of Galilee, he grew up being on the thing and every time he stuck his foot on the water, it went right to the bottom and this time it didn't. The impossible was happening and he's walking towards Jesus. And then everything changed. Everything changed because it says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Everything changed. He's walking on the water. Everything's fine. And then he looked around and it freaked him out and he starts to sink. And I think the lesson that we have there, so many times we think that first step of faith is the hardest step? No, every step of faith takes faith. Every single step. You have to keep doing what he's called you to do. I can think about when, when uh, we had our first child, when we had, when we had RJ, and uh, I was having to take him home, and I was thinking, man, that was the scariest day of my life, because I'm going, this is my only job, is to get them home safe. Because up to this point, let's face it, Cole's done all the work, right? She's done all the work, and now it's me, and my only job is to get him home safe. Guys, that you've kind of felt that before, and you're in the car, and you're thinking, okay, here we go, and I'm white-knuckling that steering wheel because I'm going, I gotta do it. This is a big thing. If I can just get him home, everything's gonna be fine. And so we get home safe. Well, now I've got a couple of teenagers, and I'm telling you, every day is a challenge. Okay, every day is a challenge. Just because I took the first step of faith doesn't mean the next steps aren't gonna be just as hard. I have to depend on Jesus Christ every single step I take. And that's what was happening to Peter. He had to depend on Jesus every step, but then he looked away and he was afraid. He was afraid and he starts to sink. But it says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Now, do you see this the way I said this? He said, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Okay, what we've been talking about. Jesus had to be far enough away from the boat that Peter didn't recognize him. He had to be far enough away from the boat that he felt he had to go to him. It wasn't just, hey, hop in here, Jesus. So he has the courage to step out of the boat. And he starts taking the steps. Then he gets scared and he starts to fall. And immediately when he cries out, Jesus catches him. And what that tells me is when he started making his move towards Jesus, Jesus started making his move towards him. 
He was coming to him. James 4, 8, when you draw near to God, God draws near to you. That when you start walking in faith towards, towards God, he's walking to you. So sometimes when you do stumble, he is there. He's the ultimate trust fall. He always catches you. And that's what he did. He caught him. He saw him through. And he picks him up. He picks him up and he says, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Started teaching him a little bit. He said, listen, you trusted me enough to get out of the boat. Don't you think that was difficult? You trusted me enough when you put that first step on the water and you didn't sink. You trusted me there. And then you took another step and you trusted me. And then you took another step and you trusted me. What happened? What happened? He took his eyes off Jesus. That's what happened. See, whenever we keep our focus on him, what are we doing? We're taking his courage. But when we look at our circumstance, now we're depending on ourselves. And that's why we sink. You gotta keep your eyes on the prize. You gotta keep your eyes on the one who's gonna see you through things. When you look, you're like the guy who fell forward. You're depending on you and you alone, and that's why you sink. It's keeping your trust in him. But we can all identify with Peter, can't we? We've all done that. We've all said, God, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this for you. I trust you. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do it your way. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna listen to you and I'm gonna be obedient. I'm gonna do this. And then all of a sudden we get scared and we do our own thing. We're kind of like the, the father in Mark 9. Remember the father in, in Mark 9? He goes to Jesus and he says, can you heal my son? Can you heal my son? And Jesus looks at him and says, can I hear your son? He goes, all things are possible for those who believe. And the father says, well, I believe. I believe. But can you help me with my unbelief? Can you help me with my unbelief? I believe every difficulty, every circumstance that you face, that God is helping you with your unbelief. Today, it might be two steps, and then he's got to pick you up. Tomorrow might be three, and then he'll pick you up. But as long as you're going in the direction that he has you, he's always there to save you before you go under. You got to believe that. And so he picks him up. He picks him up, and this is what happens. He says, and then they climbed into the boat and the wind died down. Now, I don't know when he picked him up, if they walked side by side on the water still and went in. I don't know if Jesus picked him up and carried him. But he carried him back to the boat. They got in and the wind died down. The storm they had been in all the night was gone. And it says, then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. When I see this story what it tells me is there's two ways to go through storms in your life. You can be like Peter and have faith and trust in the middle of the storm. Or you can be like the rest of the disciples who just wrote it out and when everything was fine, that's when they acknowledged God for who he was. And if you're gonna get through life, you gotta take courage like Peter. 
Jesus said himself in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you're gonna face something difficult. He didn't say it's a might. He didn't say it's a could be. He said, you will face trouble. But he says, take heart, take courage, because I will see you through it. If you're gonna have the courage to step out of the boat in the storm that you're doing and go towards Jesus, let me give you three quick things that are gonna help you do it. And the first thing you need to realize is his presence. God is with you no matter what you're going through. God will see you through whatever. Psalm 139 says God is everywhere. You can't go anywhere in all the earth that God is not there. He is there for you. Joshua 1.9, it says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Don't be fearful, okay? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever he calls you, he is there. He will see you through all things. Even when you don't see him, God is there. Even when you don't feel him, God is there. And God is working everything out. One of my favorite stories in the, in the Bible is a story of, 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 them, of, of uh, Elisha's servant recognizing that God is with him even when he didn't know he was there. It's in 2 Kings 6. And, and remember, Elisha, he was a prophet of God. And in the Old Testament, God would raise up prophets and he would speak to them. And he would speak to the Israelites through these prophets. And he was speaking through Elisha. And it was a time that the Israelites were under attack. The Syrians were trying to overthrow the, the Israelites. But God would speak to Elisha and he would tell them, what the Syrians were doing. And so they were always prepared and they couldn't be overthrown by, the, by the, the Syrians. And they were getting so upset and they figured out that the reason why they couldn't defeat the Israelites was because of Elisha. They said, we gotta get rid of that guy. If we get rid of him, we can defeat the Israelites. So they go to his town and they surround his entire town. The whole army is around. They're ready to close in to kill Elisha. Well, his servant wakes up and he looks out the window and he sees them. And he's going, this is the day I'm going to die. We're going to die. And he's all panicked. And he goes to Elisha and he said, we're going to die. Look, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And Elijah looks at him and he says, hey, those who are for us are much greater than those who are against us. Elisha saw something that his servant didn't see. He's going, I don't know what you're talking about. All I see is enemy trying to kill me. And so he prays for his servant's eyes to be opened. And God opens his eyes and he looks out and he sees this huge army about to come attack him. But then he sees God's army, which is far greater, surrounding the enemy. He's going, well, that's different. Changed everything because he realized God was there. And when you realize God is there with you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, you can take courage because God has a plan. And you can trust that plan. And he will see you through. The second thing is his power. You gotta understand God's power. His power. Exodus 14, 13, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. One of the greatest displays of God's power happened after Moses led the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt, and he's marching them towards the, the promised land, and they, fit, they, they hit their first obstacle, and it's a big one. It's the Red Sea. It stayed there in front of us. There's no place to go. And what happened at this time when they get there and they don't know what to do, Pharaoh changed his mind, and he's coming after him to attack him. So they're all going crazy. Why did you bring us out here? We're gonna die right here, right here. And he says, hey, fear not, stand firm. Because God's about to do a mighty work. And what does he do? 
He parts the Red Sea. And it's wide enough that millions of Israelites can march through this to the other side and then he closes in on the enemy. God's power is available to you today. That's why you can trust him. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you today. You can trust him. And the final thing is why you can trust him is because of his peace. God gives you his peace in all your troubles. God will trade you his peace for your troubles, but it's up to you. Philippians 4, 6, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That means you have peace when you shouldn't have peace. And in the midst of your crazy storms of life, you still have peace, but it's because you gave God your troubles. It starts with you letting go of what you're going through. It starts with you not being in control. It starts with you trusting that God's way is better than your way. And you let go. Today, I wanna end the service a little bit different than what we normally do. I'm gonna have Lainey and, and RJ come out and we're gonna end in worship. We're gonna end with worship. We're gonna end with a song that's called Take Courage. And what I love about the, the words of this song, it says, he is there in the waiting. And there's a lot of you that are going through something right now. And you're waiting for God to act. You're waiting for God to do something. You're waiting God to change what's going on. And you need to know he's there. And he's just working everything out to his perfect plan. And you can trust him. I'm gonna ask if you're part of the prayer team, if, if you would come forward. So if anybody else wants to come forward during this time of worship to pray that, that you're there if, and uh, come down and just be up against the, the platform and feel free to do that. But I want you all to stand. We're gonna end this service in, in worship. And whatever you're going through, Give it to God right now. Say, God, I've been holding on to this and I want your peace. And if you wanna pray with somebody, come forward. If you wanna pray where you're at when you do that, maybe you've just come out of a storm and you're ready to praise God. Praise him for what he's doing. Be that encouragement to those that are around you. But realize God is there for you to see you through all things. So let's praise him.
Father, you are never failing. No matter what we go through, no matter what we face, your plan will prevail. God, I know that we have so many people in our church that are going through difficult times, facing difficult circumstances. Help them see that you are there with them in the waiting that you are there to carry them through. You're there to be their peace. Help them to release that to you now, whatever they're holding on to. And God, I know that you know that as a church, we're hurting. 
we're hurting because of the storms that are going around the Ramsey family. God, we have put Cindy in your hands and we trust you with her. We know you can do no wrong and we know that you have the power to heal her if that's in your plan and that's what we're asking God. But we trust you in everything. God, wrap your arms just a little tighter around Bill and Shannon and Billy and the entire family as they walk through this storm. And I know they're walking on it, not under it, because of their trust in you, because of their faith in you. So be everything that they need they go through this time. God, we just thank you for when this world doesn't make sense, we can trust you. And so help us all take courage as we leave this place. Help us to keep walking in your ways. God, we love you and praise you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. If you want, praise God. Praise God. We do pray that you continue to pray for Cindy. If you want more information on our Facebook page, we have a Prayers for Cindy group that we started. And uh, Shannon, um, Bill's daughter, has been an amazing job of putting updates on there for us so that we know what's happening at the time. And that's where we're updating everybody on that. So go to that as well. But keep in your prayers. And also, all of you that are going through something, this church is praying for you. And we have confidence that God will see you through all that you face. So hold on to that. Take courage. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.